Welcome to the Gleeful Podcast with Josh, Jen, and Ed. You can find us online at Gleeful Podcast. On Twitter, on Gleeful Podcast, I'm at Josh Brunel. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordano. Jennifer. Joshua. What, 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 you, were, you were mad at my note card? <laughs> uh, Josh note is card. once again writing a, a script with uh, two leads are Scott and Karen. It's always Scott and Karen. Uh, for 11 years, it's been Scott and Karen. You just shot a film with Scott and Karen. It's so. been a lot longer than 11. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all have our thing, all right? <laughs> you but, know? But Scott and Karen are, like, they're on, you know, celluloid history. They they can't be here still. I, I love that, <laughs> one, you said celluloid when we shot on video, yeah. and two, you said history. That's adorable. I'm trying. <laughs> but, but wouldn't... But wouldn't you smile. naming them the same characters, like, limit you from, re- like reimagining their personalities like no they're the always concept. different they're, they they are drastically different they, from movie they to are movie. I, okay. I can admit I, yeah i can i can attest to that yeah i don't know why i just i, I partially i'm lazy a bit schizophrenic the answer to your problem is behind the name.com yeah I, mean, right. I, I i play out i play with that but i don't know i just they've always been like the the archetypal archetypal male and female names that I've always used. It's always been Scott and Karen. It, it has been since I was like, gosh, like a sophomore in college. It's always been those two names. So, you know, it's it's in my blood now. It's just going to, I'm going to write it out forever. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going until somebody tells me to stop. Uh, the many well, adventures of Scott and Karen. There you go. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, welcome to the Gleeful Podcast. We are back this week to discuss the latest episode of Glee entitled The Rise and Fall of Sue Sylvester. There are only two episodes left. Ladies Three. and gents. Two. Three. Well, I think it's a double what? in the last night, but it's what? two more it, months. It, yeah, it's double. It, that's what I'm saying. There's, ah. there's three episodes, but ah. it's two weeks. There you go. Two weeks left. Uh, to discuss to discuss the glee. Oh my! Um, so that's very exciting. We opened up there with "Rather Be," uh, originally recorded by Clean Bandit, which and I'm Jessica Glenn. About. Yep, Jess Glenn. That's correct, Jess Glenn. Uh, I am crazy about that one. That one makes me crazy happy. Um, but yeah, super fun, super fun. Uh, and we will go around the group. Let's just dive right in. We will go around the room and we will discuss, or uh, I want to get everybody's temperature on this episode, The Rise and Fall of Sue Sylvester. I'm going to start with Ed because, yes. spoiler alert, I know where Jennifer's going to come down on this one. <laughs> uh, so I'm very curious. Uh, I'm going to start with Ed. Ed, what did you think of this episode? Quick personal antidote. Today, uh, my boss is like, do you want to go to Boston for a week next week? I was like, yes. 
And then Aww. two hours later, he's like, "Never mind." So I was like, <gasps> oh, "That's that's so <laughs> mean." That is mean. that was that was that was that was a heartbreaking two hours. It's a horrible joke. But, yeah. I know, I know, right? I was like, um, I'm gonna go get some downy cider. What, what? Yield Oyster House, <laughs> the regular. Um, but um, um, the episode, like, legitimately, I, you might, I, I see the, I could see another opinion than the opinion that I'm about to give. But I think two weeks in a row, I'm giving Glee an A. Wow, two weeks in a row, he's giving it an A. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I just, I like, I. I legitimately cared, like, uh, and I thought the songs were on point enough, and I, don't, I, I enjoyed it. Very cool. Um, and now point counterpoint, Jennifer, <laughs> what did you think of this episode? I, I, I think I'm wrong. Apparently. No, no, no. You are probably I, right. I'm just, no. I, don't, I just, I just liked it. Okay. I um. Here's the thing. Every time they were singing, really enjoyed it. Anytime they weren't singing just didn't get it there was so much um there there was like so much like craziness that happened with unbelievable unrealistic you know really super quick resolutions um same mistakes made over and over again and I can't possibly believe that these things are going to happen but the way that they're setting it up with such you know, disregard for everything that we just had to listen to, I don't know, three weeks ago. I am kind of a little annoyed and frustrated. Um, so that said, I'm going to be like solid B. C. So, uh, solid I, C. I, I have a question solid C. Is it, Sorry. Is it, is it more the Sue storyline or the Rachel storyline that's it's, making you more upset? Actually, all of it. It's all well, it. which, which, which one's making you more upset? Um, <laughs> that, was, that was not my question. <laughs> uh, I mean, the the Sue, the Sue stuff at least had some okay, so the, comical the, element that, the Rachel, that was... I suspected your answer was going to be yeah, Rachel. Yeah, definitely more uh, the Rachel thing. And, you know, just having, you know, gone through this and finally come around to accepting that what she went through was actual growth and amends and something and to just be like setting it up and I know okay fine they can't possibly make it go the same way but the fact that we are even wasting this much time on it is, is frustrating um just a lot of different things that I just it's like it's like they never listened to themselves before <laughs> and, and, and and now like I'm sitting there poking holes and stuff that's you know, from two weeks ago, <laughs> I can't. I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah this this episode uh, this episode was a sea of um, incongruity. I guess like yeah. it really was. It, it was an episode that was very self referential to earlier events in the series, while at the same time had characters saying and doing things that were totally out of character for earlier in the series. The simplest version of which being an entire conversation between Sue and her mother where her mother says, all I ever wanted was for you to be interested in the same things I was interested in, like old movies and musicals. And then Sue saying, yeah, I just hated all that stuff. When I can think of three other times on this series where Sue did a song from a movie musical, Mm -hmm. specifically uh, first season where she did the big uh, uh, walking teachy teak number with Will. Um, this episode for me, uh, you know, it's funny because Jennifer, I really thought I was going to be like 
playing in between you guys. Uh, I think I disliked it more than you did, actually. I hated this. I kind of hated it. Uh, I hated it. I really hated this episode. Uh, It's probably my least favorite of the season. Um, We got a strong statement. It's true. We got five songs. I thought uh, one of them was golden. Uh, One of them was fun. Three of them were total garbage. Rise is the worst original composition this show has ever done. Uh, and that's saying something, uh, considering uh, Sunshine Corazon did some weird thing no one even remembers the name of. Uh, if you were there... I don't... No, I mean, it was totally um, It was totally the, um, you know, the winner song from Idol. It exactly. It was just so it sounded great. manufactured, but Taylor Hicks anonymous. would have had a huge hit with that one. Um, no, I just really... Do I proud? Yes. <laughs> Do I? That's, I could... I could sing that song for you right now. Please don't. Uh, I won't. No, I I really disliked this episode. And the episode to me was kind of like Jennifer had. Um, Jen, Jen, what did you say? Jennifer, you were like, you know, Josh, when you're outlining a story and you put all those note cards on the wall and then every once in a while you're like, this note card doesn't fit. And so you throw that one away. I feel like this episode is all of the leftover note cards from other episodes. That were just dumped out of his trash bin. Yeah. And I was kind of oh. like, not only that, Sorry. but it didn't even flow. Like this episode had no flow. It had no pacing. It was that, that's, it was like watching so Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, so, yeah. I, I understand all your points, but it's, to me, like we discussed how the Kurt Santana marriage special was the was the closing of season two storylines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt like in many ways this was like the closing of the Warbler storyline and Sue storyline. So I do but, agree. And, like, That's entirely true. Yeah. So, so and so like so I thought as a story payoff, I appreciated it. But, but how guess, so though? Like, because I, I mean, okay, because on the one hand, yes, it is the closing of the Warbler storyline. They burned down Dalton. What on earth is that about? And then like half the kids came to McKinley, still wearing their their freaking blazers, and then. The, but it wasn't all of the warblers, so it was this weird subset of warblers we've never seen before. And well, then, I if we're gonna, I appreciated that they set they set up the whole Jane was a warbler and that was a problem, and that they 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 allowed that storyline to live on. Like I I appreciate that she didn't just forget that. Like and it, I could very mad easily imagine Glee just forgetting that was a problem. Yeah, so but it also did. lived on for like half a like three dirty looks and half a line. So it didn't really play out at all. I mean, they were in no way apologetic or understanding or understanding or, or anything. They came in as buttheads and then they got their way. Yeah. And then I really see no resolution to Sue's storyline in this episode. I mean, Sue essentially, I, I mean, essentially there's resolution in that now we have episode one Sue again, where she's a crazy psycho who is bent on the destruction of Will Schuster. But, but, but we uh, have, yeah. we, we have explanation. Well, not explanation, not, <laughs> not, not to say it's very good explanation, but we have reason for why Sue is the way Sue is. And like, that's kind of, because I mean, that's she more was than nasty Lost from birth? with the polar bears. <laughs> Wait, but so. uh, <laughs> because she was nasty from birth. <laughs> Don't ever talk about those polar bears, Ed. Uh, that, <laughs> that's the great American novel. Now, uh, no, but what, what explanation are you giving, Ed? What explanation did the show like give that, you? That, that she, from, from a very young age, was being lied to by her parents, like, consistently. But she like, didn't know. know she was being lied to, so that's not an explanation. 
that's a well, backstory, maybe, maybe but it's not just she knew. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I actually, I, I think it would have been a lot more interesting to find out that all of the things Sue said were true because Glee's been always exciting. been totally absurd. But instead, it turned out that they were all false, and we found out that she's essentially a psycho. She waterboarded herself, so it does. It's all true. She did do that. That one, she did actually waterboard herself. She did not take down Mag- Manuel Noriega, though, which is uh, heartbreaking <laughs> to know. <laughs> I, I wonder. I wonder if it had any effect. Because right before I watched Glee, I watched Zero Dark, Dark Thirty. Right before it, I wonder if there's there's a reason <laughs> Glee didn't bother me as much. Catherine Just, Bigelow yeah. and Glee. We should have gotten a great Catherine Bigelow episode of Glee. As long as it was like near dark, Captain Bigelow, that would a Point Break. If we just had a Point Break episode of Glee, could you imagine? <laughs> no. Um, well, let's go around and we'll talk a little bit about Sue's st- uh, storyline in this episode. Uh, Sue was um, her hurt locker was discovered. So so many things happened in this episode. So um, Sue's hurt locker was discovered. She was uh, stripped of her powers and fired. She did a long interview with Geraldo Rivera, which had a sea of cameos in it. Um, she was then made the coach of vocal adrenaline only to come back to mckinley high to do a number kind of out of the blue and then i really don't know how the episode ended up to be quite honest with sue i guess she's still coast of vocal is she's still threatening them yep okay yeah, she's, uh, the, she's the coach of vocal adrenaline without question without so uh jennifer what uh tell us a little about sue in this episode well apparently the superintendent's um power only extends as far as mckinley high because even though he declared that she was not fit to um, let alone educate and mentor children be in their presence so she goes to the nearby school and well I, I guess you know it does Very make sense vocal adrenaline numbers are no longer high school age they are, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly they're they, all 30 they're all 30 totally 30 <laughs> Clint so. is totally 30 <laughs> yeah very um, convenient so there's that um <laughs> Now, Ed, sell us on it, though, because, you know, you you felt I'm that trying. this was a solid plot line for Sue. So for, why did it hang together for you that better than it did? I for mean, us? I'm not saying it hang together, but I, I liked where the pieces of the puzzle are right now. Like Sue, bat, like, like I was not interested in the voice battle between Blaine, Rachel and uh, Mr. Finn. I was not interested in watching the voice battle, but Mr. I am interested Finn. in the the. Will? Sue showdown verse verse like it it goes back to its roots of Sue versus them and it matters and even though it doesn't make sense why and even though they try to explain it at least it was at least it was humorous I appreciated Myron's and Rachel's discussion and this like I thought like it was a great use of Myron I thought it was a great use of Rachel that was great like funny dialogue and it's, mm-hmm. and it's glee like like at least if it's not like if it's not gonna make sense at least make it be funny and at least it was funny so. I I willing to give that a pass, and I don't know. I just I just like this the showdown, like the like it finally comes down to will Sue win or will will McKinley kids win? And and, and if honestly, the McKinley kids lose, then they cut all arts in the school for no reason whatsoever. No, the entire district. Okay, no arts in the district. But, again, but you're right. <laughs> Superintendent only With has no reign over McKinley. <laughs> yeah, but, but but I but I like but I like that I like that battle setup. It's, it feels like the it feels like the beginning storyline from episode one is coming to a close. So, 
I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, I want to give this you, to you. You, you, you just don't. You don't see. You haven't. You just don't like how they're doing it. But at least they're doing it. No, and no, that, no, that is what's it's, satisfying. It's, yeah, I mean, it just feels like like we've got. It's just this episode was so far into the weeds of absurdity. Like, so many things happened in this Speaking episode weeds, that had no justification. Like the, the last. The last couple seasons of Weeds and I did. So maybe, maybe there's something, there's <laughs> something like to be said. <laughs> I mean, like, even so far as, you know, like, she's still hell-bent on, you know, bringing down Will. Will was the only person who, well, okay, Will and Sheldon. But Will was spoke totally. so highly of her and said that, you know, she should be doing, you know, she should be educating kids. She's really made a difference. And, you know, she's challenging and her methods are different and extreme but you know he still defended the good intention in her but she can't even support that like nothing she does or says can support that like the whole exchange with becky was just so bizarre it's like she she turned on becky you know her her protege her her best friend and the fact that they had to have becky's boyfriend you know explain what she was saying was really insulting to me because you know we've understood her all along why is it a problem now and i was just like this is just just a weird thing and it's insulting and everything about it was just weird to me yeah sorry am i (laughs) i I saw that i understand that perspective but i was seeing it more of them working as a couple and and like like and him being there to support Becky. I don't know. I thought it was Yeah, like, without question. No, oh, and that and that's totally, great. Totally, absolutely. No. It's it's just the context in which he did it. Like yeah. it's it's like yeah, it's you never know, happened before. Lauren Potter's a little hard to understand, but we've been following her for well, four well, seasons been, like, now. So I can understand before. her. Oh, yeah. that's like every episode she gets. Super right. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and and I mean, I was fu- I was I was I defended Sue you know, constructing a bogus elevator and entrapping Blaine and Kurt. See, and you have an issue with that, but not with not with this. I feel like this was this was like the just desserts. <laughs> like for all that. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. At least, I mean, the one thing I will say, and we should move on because I feel bad. I feel yeah. like we're we're borderline ganging up on you, Ed, and I never oh, want no. that. No, no, you're not, uh, you're not boarding. I mean, it's whatever. It's fine. We are waterboarding you. No, um, I, I just I want to understand. <laughs> no, but I, I think what it is is like at least with the, um, at, at at least with with the elevator, it felt emotionally consistent and i know like i'm gonna get 18 emails from people like why do you think glee has to be such high art and it isn't about that it's just i just want it to feel emotionally consistent i want the characters to behave no matter how wacky they behave i want them to feel in a way that seems justified by the events around them and sue was such a manic crazy person in this episode and so many of the events in this episode seem to come from absolutely out of nowhere there's absolutely no justification for bill venicky saying that he's going to cut funding arts funding for the district if new directions loses one competition because it doesn't other, make any sense because apparently one other school in the district will win so what is that the why is that the problem it's sectionals yeah you're right it's all the same district and it's and the other thing that i just don't understand was when um 
well, when when she's being interviewed by Geraldo and he's calling her out, he's like, everybody's coming forward and saying, this is a lie, and this is a lie, and this is a lie. And I'm like, when Michael Bolton comes out and like, yeah, I, I don't know who she is. I never spent a year in an island with her. I did not father her child. I'm waiting for somebody to say, well, you don't even have a child, right? Because there is no child. There's no way. How can she spend all this time in a hurt locker to, to putting together all this stuff and not... in not taking care doesn't of kids. Doesn't Sue have a child? She does, but we haven't. I don't think we've ever actually seen. We've a seen. Child on the we've show. seen Robin once. We, have we, we really? We saw Robin. We the one saw time? her once. Oh. She brought her into the school, and um, Coach Nini. Nini was, Leaks had had commentary. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. There was, Good point. That's the last time we saw Robin. Yeah, it, it it Robin did disappear faster than like the baby on Murphy Emma. Brown. Like oh, oh Emma. Emma no Emma was always on the show I'm not always she was around the baby I'm mad about you oh my God we're so old the well, half of our listeners just around. went mad about you what is that I do like I did like that show <laughs> and reruns when I watched it <laughs> there you go uh, let's uh let's it was, it was right after I love Lucy I'm pretty sure so yeah the whole suit thing was kind <laughs> that's of... true little Ricky disappeared quite quickly he showed up later when he got old enough to talk. And when he got cute again. Yeah. I'm kidding. He was probably always a beautiful baby. No. I, don't know. <laughs> I never met him. Uh, let's let's take a listen to uh, This Is Far From Over, uh, performed by or, or written by Frank Stallone. When we come back, I'll tell my amazing Frank Stallone story. Uh, this is Far From Over here on the Gleeful Podcast. You made your choice and now my chance is over. Far From Over, uh, originally by, written by Frank Stallone. It was so the a, greatest sequel ever. The greatest sequel ever made, which is entitled Jennifer Staying Alive. Staying Alive is the sequel, little known fact. Staying Alive is the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. It is starring John Travolta reprising his role as Tony Manero and is written and directed by Sylvester Stallone. It opens with this song, performed by Sylvester Stallone's brother, uh, as they audition for a Broadway show, and it's the goofiest Broadway show audition montage you've ever seen. So many headbands, so many mullets. It's so funny. You just, I mean... And leg warmers. Staying alive. Uh, And then I saw Frank Stallone in concert once um, years ago. I went to see my friend's band play, and Frank Stallone opened, and he was playing solo with a guitar. He was the opening act. Um, and he was playing solo with his, with his guitar, and half the room was like forty plus women, just so excited for Frank Stallone. And he just did covers all night. He did like "If I Had a Hammer," and it was one of them. And he did some songs by Bread. Did like 
Wow. If I could, if a picture paints a thousand words, and why can I paint you? Something like that. It's pretty funny. I picture him just doing this song multiple times. He did this song. It was a request. He did this song. Okay, this number, <laughs> super fun. The whole sequence, it was fantastic. I, I I like this part. I think my two, the two parts of this episode that I really did like were rather be in the opening and then this number. Um, and this number was super fun. It was silly. It was goofy. It made me smile. You know, this one, this one I liked, and I just, I just have such a hard time with, with, like Clint is like thirty five, like he's older than me, and I just can't even do it. I wish I had my <laughs> phone right now because it, because you'd look. I'd it Google him, but yeah. Anyhow, so uh, Ed, you had said you had asked Jennifer what was the more annoying plot line, uh, Sue Sylvester's plot line or Rachel's plot line, and now I'm going to put that question to you, Ed. What was the more annoying plot line, Sue or Rachel? I don't think either was annoying for him. <laughs> right? um, well, I'm better than me. I can't answer the question. Yes, yes, uh, right. sorry. I'm, I'm not particularly annoyed by either one, but I'm. Gonna, I guess I'll go with Rachel, but not, not. I wasn't annoyed. It's just, I mean, frustrating. I shouldn't say annoyed, but I was just well, frustrated. But I mean, okay, I understand your frustration, but. I, Okay, A, they have to they have to wrap this up in a satisfying way soon. Mm. And and B, like who's to say that Rachel didn't learn something? Even if she even if she makes exactly the exact same decisions and does the exactly the exact same thing, some somewhere in that repetition she's still learning something. Right? Well, I, I wanna believe you, but I'm not really seeing that yet. I no, mean this but is I mean, a... I'm, I, but okay. To be fair, when she didn't, when she was begging for Niata and that wasn't happening, and she was given that opportunity on Broadway, she would be stupid to turn down the opportunity on Broadway because that's the only opportunity she had on the table. Now, of course, they're setting up a, a big dramatic choice. Yes, I hope there's, I hope there's a good song to go with it. That's all I got. <laughs> I was like, I, 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 it better be a good song. Let's be honest. Uh, that's what the show's about. No, I, so the uh, Rachel's plot line in this episode is that she went to New York to plead. Uh, to get her spot back at Miata from Carmen Thibodeau. And before she found out whether or not she got her spot back at Miata, she found out that she got the lead in the Russell Simmons musical she auditioned for a few weeks ago with Mercedes, who apparently has an infinite amount of time to just chill in Ohio. And Obviously. Then, yeah, no place for her to go. Uh, but her single's number 89 on iTunes, so what are you going to do? And then, uh, so then immediately, pretty much immediately after finding out that she has gotten the lead in this play and decides, screw school, I'm going to go to New York or I'm going to go back to Broadway, um, she hears from Carmen Thibodeau and finds out that she got her spot back in Niata. What's interesting about this plotline for me was, yes, it feels really convenient. It feels more of like this kind of Rachel failing upward which we got a lot in season five uh, and kind of frustratingly in season five. The frustrating part to me though, was that I kind of got a sense of what made her special enough to get the part in Russell Simmons show. It was, you know, that the the sacrifice she made to kind of put herself out there to drive out, to just throw caution to the wind and go get uh, to go get that audition. Um, It did kind of feel like a satisfying uh, response as a as an audience member as a viewer to hear that she got that part, um, but because we weren't a part of the conversation with Madame Thibodeau, because we don't know what she said, and uh, we don't really know what she did in order to make her case. And then we're also told multiple times that Madame Thibodeau has been looking forward to this and really doesn't want to let her in. 
I, without knowing why the decision was made to let her in, it just felt divisive. It just felt like they're only doing this so that they can set up this dynamic of her having to choose between college and Broadway. Um, I don't know. I just, it, it ended up just feeling empty at the end of the day. It would have been interesting to get that moment with her and Whoopi Goldberg. Um, I hear Whoopi Goldberg's on a TV show. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I agree with you, but I think, I think the issue that we're running up against is that I believe ends justify means so and the ends are is this this big decision for rachel and i and i and the same thing with same thing with sue and the coaching vocal adrenaline in both situations i very much want that end like to see that big conflict and how it's going to resolve itself Mm -hmm. so i don't care how they have to get there but i mean i we all want that that's what we all want it's just that but it will be more want, satisfying the, if we get there. It, you, you want know. the satisfying to get there, but I just want I just want to be there. I just want the good <laughs> moment. I'm like I'm like whatever, whatever. Just explain it. It's fine. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. <laughs> Interesting, uh, Jennifer. What did you think about uh, What did you think about Rachel in this episode? Well, as I, I mentioned before, it was uh, very frustrating for me. Um, part of the thing, and I and I get it. I mean, I I get that this right now is just a setup for a choice you know uh you know a a life decision um you know it's going to be this realization moment where she you know will do what she has to do for her but you know in my mind it's like I'm hoping you know that she actually did learn something from it because I mean the problem was you know back in New York she told you know Madame Thibodeau she told Niada I've gotten all I need from you. I've got it covered. I'm a star. I don't need you. I'm going to be a success. She goes out, makes some poor choices, and then fails miserably. And now she's taken this time to recoup, uh, reflect, hide, all of the above. And now she's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do it right this time. I'm, I'm... I'm going to go back. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to, you know, get the get the fundamentals that I need to be a success in this town. And right now they're just making us think, you know, that she's going to take the easy way again or take the, um, you know, immediate success again or mm-hmm. the immediate chance of success again, as opposed to doing the work and, uh, you know, being humble again I don't know I think that's the problem and it's sort of like I feel like she's sort of you know like hedging her bet and like keeping everybody on the line until she gets the best offer and then she's just going to do that whatever's you know easiest and more um, more potential for success or profit whatever i mean it's an interesting debate uh on the show i I certainly have no problem with what's going to come out of this storyline the debate of the immediate a reward of going to do a Broadway show or a more long-term like taking a moment to build your skills so that when you do return to Broadway, you're that much better for it. Uh, it's a really interesting conversation to have. And, and that is when Glee has always shined when it is, you know, spending time having those conversations uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, serenading about that conversation. Uh, and, and so in that way, I really do. I mean, I get it. Like, and, and I agree with you, Ed, like what will come out 
out of this, I think will be really interesting. My issue is, is that there is a more satisfying way to get there so that when we experience, when we get her decision, it really feels valid. A character getting a second chance, like Rachel's getting a second chance in both places, Four. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah but- she's getting a second chance on Broadway and she's getting a second chance at Niata. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, in real life, second ten- second chances don't come around as much as we'd like. Um, and so it would be really cool to see what she did to earn that second chance. I saw what she did to earn the second chance from Russell Simmons. And so I, I feel that if she just got that role and we all high-fived and went off mm-hmm. into the sunset, that would be great. It would be really great to see what she did yeah. to get that second chance from Madame Thibodeau or at least have some sense of what she did to get that second chance. Because we really have no idea what she said on either in the office or on that phone call. It was very strange to like... I don't think she said anything on the phone call. Yeah, she actually... She said no words and then was hung up on other than hello (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean again i i i've been i get these emails occasionally where it's like you're asking so much of this show and it's but i want the show will be more rewarding for us like we will connect to it more if we see the struggle and the trials and tribulations that what rachel's willing to do to get that second chance from madame thibodeau we will experience it more and so you know the show would be better but also we as an audience will enjoy it more if we get those experiences yeah and i mean it's like for the most part we're we're willing to overlook so much implausibility and you know craziness but you know if you're going to you know show a person going through supposed real life struggles then you've got to be a little bit realistic in that situation and I want nothing more than like the greatest success for her like I want her to be a huge Broadway star but I don't want it to be you know just because or you, know, just you don't want it to feel like it. because it's a given. You want to feel yeah. like she earned it. She, yeah. Well, and, and she'll appreciate it, and and you know, and it's not to say that she hasn't worked hard. I mean, she she has. We've seen her work hard for years, and we've seen her endure a lot over the years, and you know, put up with a lot from a lot of different people who you know either made fun of her, or didn't believe in her, um, or for whatever reason just had like crazy vendettas against her. She's overcome a lot, and that's fantastic. It's just in this particular case, like, I just needed to be somewhat plausible, somewhat mm. realistic. But Well, uh, we did get some time with the Dalton Warblers in this episode where we found out that Dalton Academy burnt down. Uh, let's, uh, let's take a listen to a quick song and then we'll come back to discuss that. Uh, this is the final countdown <laughs> uh, written and recorded by Europe back when every country was named after or every band was named after a country europe asia yep germany i don't know berlin berlin oh that was a, that's that a was city one. okay <laughs> okay so maybe they, not everybody they, kansas, geography, kansas. Geography based, but isn't there like a new band architecture in helsinki are they like popular <laughs> that sounds right sure <laughs>
always made me laugh that Europe was a Swedish band. Uh, so, <laughs> but isn't that is. convenient then? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess. I mean, it makes sense. It just always seemed. I don't know. Like, like I always thought Europe should be like a band from New Mexico. Like, it just seemed fitting. Like, I think I don't think Asia is an Asian band. It doesn't make. I think they're from sense. Florida. So, but isn't isn't Chicago from Chicago? Chicago from is Boston? from Chicago, I believe. Boston, Boston. is definitely from Boston. Uh, where's Kansas so, from? Uh, I don't know where Kansas is from. I'm all obsessed from, about Kansas right think, now. One would think Kansas. A little Kansas dust in the wind. Uh, Asia is a British band. So, and wow. then uh, what, what were we? At? Well, we were looking at Kansas. Yeah. The band. <laughs> Kansas, the band, is uh, from Topeka, Kansas. So they are from Kansas. Uh, so <laughs> they're still together. Um, so there. So this is a bit of a final countdown. Uh, my favorite part of this number was, of course, seeing uh, Brad, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was Brad in the '80s hair. Oh, still up on there, the yeah. Keyboards in the latter half in the fantasy section, and then going back to seeing the miming, smashing guitars was pretty. That was super fun. This was a great performance. Sue's got some pretty solid pipes on her. I was really <laughs> impressed. I and mean, the whole thing was really fun. And Yeah. Ed, what'd you think of this number? I was just surprised. Yeah, I, I agree. It was fun. It was <laughs> super fun. It was super I, fun. I liked it. I liked, the air, I liked the air guitar. I liked that it was just in their head. Yes. I thought the entire sequence was just good. <laughs> now, Ed, what did you think of uh, Dalton Academy burning to the ground. It was actually those were those the exact words by three different characters was burned to the ground. Just so we had no question. There's no like, are you sure you can't yeah. stay? Maybe. <laughs> There's. No, I mean, I'm pretty see, sure I that thought, was Stone too. I, I was thinking. I was thinking like, oh, this is a very, very interesting way of filling out the 12-member Glee Club quota. Like, we discussed they were going to be cheerleaders. We discussed that they were going to do football players. But they defied our expectations and gave us a new trajectory. Yeah. And allowed Blaine... So that's so when it happened, I was like, oh, that's actually something I did not expect. Bonus points. that Which contributed to their A score <laughs> for this week. I mean, it is true. Like, I didn't expect it. Um, it... So, so, <laughs> so that's why I got it. Points. There you go. I mean, I, I, I think it was just that again, like a lot of the things in this episode, it was kind of that one level too absurd for me. Like, so like if they'd come over and been like, "Hey, remember that time that the Warblers were uh, caught using uh, performance-enhancing drugs? Uh, well, we got disqualified, so now we can't perform. Can we join the New Directions? Sure, yeah. you could totally join no, the New I, Directions. I, I like, I like this. I like Myron. I like the the. Uh, uh, I forget his name, but I, I don't know. I just I think they did a very good job with surprising us with the three foot nose. Uh, I do like Myron. I find Myron pretty entertaining. Oh my god, and he's all limbs. He's like he's so <laughs> cute on stage. He's just like like crazy long skinny limbs. Yeah, and Adam's apples is growing on me. There, uh, there there's like no females <laughs> on New Directions though. Is what I was well, thinking. I was like, wow, there. I mean, there's three, but just th- just three. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow, they're... that's a really good point. They they really seemed, especially in the um, first number, the first and last numbers, that they're trying. It looked to me like they're really trying to make Kitty kind of the focal point. Like they they're showing a lot of Kitty. She's always dead center in the front. The very beginning, she was kind of like 
helping Jane. She kind of like was giving Jane hand signals to tell her she was doing a good job and and making sure giving everybody a smile when it was their turn to sing. Uh, I kept getting a sense of them really trying to make Kitty. Well, because Kitty is like she's like the like the de facto like most senior person there. That's true. She is. (laughs) and and she's the Quinn Fabray and Santana Lopez that didn't blow up too big and Ryan Murphy can troll. What? <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, yeah. uh, what did you uh, what did you think of Dalton McCarthy to the ground? Um a bit extreme, bit far fetched, but you know, <laughs> I I don't I you know, we knew they were going to do something kind of crazy to to fill out the group cuz they only have Three more episodes, so um, so I knew it would be kind of crazy. I have no problem with like how they got there. It's just that when they got there, they're kind of buttheads. Like I didn't like, you know, they just they were very unappreciative, very um, unwilling to compromise, very just like this is us and we're better than you, and I can't believe we have to put up with this. You don't have uniforms and. You can't dance. So like the whole, like the, that was a little, you know, a little, little too bitter for me, but I think it'll, you know, I, I know it'll work out. I know it'll all be fine. And I wish that Jane had really the opportunity to tell them off and not just make, you know, a, a slight comment to, yeah. to sort of clue them into, you know, the, you know, what they did to her and how now she's supposed to just turn around and let them in. So that aside, I'm okay with it. I agree. It would have been nice to get a little more, a little would have been more rewarding. finality to yeah. Jane's. Yeah, like, Give hey, her, I came over here to build my own thing, and now you guys are coming to me and asking me to take pity on you. Like, it's yeah. a, it's a pretty interesting role reversal. Um, it is funny that their uh, their their blazer argument was settled by well we'll just all wear blazers a uniform <laughs> clearly my standards have lowered i was just appreciative of the fact that they even acknowledged the fact that jane and the warblers had issues yeah i was like oh, I, that that is true they do yes Good job. Well, like we're they, so far in at this point it's yeah. like all right we've been beaten down i mean they made her perform a whole you know, a whole song to audition for them, but they just waltz right in. They did. Well, okay. And the other thing, like the the whole jab about the red t-shirts and the jeans, I'm, I'm like, okay, that was six seasons ago and they haven't worn them in competition. And are all these costumes we seeing, are, are they just fantasy? <laughs> and then next episode we see the preview and they're in all these different costumes. I'm like, I, why, why the big deal? It's like you can't say like, oh, look, the teams are bonding. There's a compromise. There's no compromise. <laughs> well, I take that back. There was a compromise. It's just like, I don't understand. It was kind of a compromise. It was kind of a compromise. So, well, we'll all wear different blazers. And the thing is, you know what? If they sounded as good as that first season of new directions did in just you know red gap tees and jeans and converse they should be so lucky (laughs) they should be so lucky because that was amazing uh, we also got a return, the return of Carol Burnett in this episode uh, playing Sue Sylvester's mother Carol Burnett star of the Carol Burnett show that was a joke 
Not really. I guess it didn't. I guess it wasn't really a joke, was it? That was actually just kind of a fact. It was just more of a that I a where fact. I paused for laughter after. We don't have a laugh mm. track. Son of a! I knew it. Sorry. Failure. Um, hey, Ed, can you cue us up a laugh track? Uh, no. <laughs> I'll just snort instead. Um, but yeah, so so that was uh, so we did get the return of Carol Burnett, uh, whom I adore, playing uh, playing Sue's mom, and it's always fun to have her back. Uh, that's uh, anything to say about Carol Burnett? I I wanted. I mean, I guess I wanted it to be a little more exciting, but at the end of the day, she was just Carol Burnett. Oh, I mean, there was no resolution. Well, okay. I guess I agree to disagree. You know, she said that Sue was a horrible child from birth and unlovable. Sue didn't disagree. <laughs> um, Sue said, you just wanted me to like the things you liked, but I didn't. Yes, Sue dis- so didn't disagree. So she didn't disagree. <laughs> they yeah. did a song together and now they're never going to talk about it again. That's true. Even even though I mean it is kind of a repeat of the last time, like almost the exact same exchange that she had the last time her mother was on the show. Yeah. Um, and all the stuff with Geraldo Rivera was kind of funny. We got lots of uh, random cameos in that yeah. episode or in that sequence, including Carney Wilson, Michael Bolton. Um, but the most interesting of which was Samuel Larson showing up for a split I second. I know, right? I was like, what? <laughs> With no dreads, apparently. And, and, and the fact that, I mean, I was waiting for like Rory to pop out like from underneath the bleachers and say, she locked me in the basement. <laughs> I've been I, in here I, for years. I appreciate how unceremonious it was. I was like, it, I was. it was just there. It was like, shocking and funny that way, yes. Almost like like it never happened. It was so cool. Well, for a second, I thought it was a film, like something that they filmed like forever ago and they just spliced in this episode. But then uh, uh, then Kurt and Blaine referenced the, the elevator. So I was like, oh, I guess that isn't. Okay. Yeah, so it is <laughs> this season. Continue. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Jennifer, uh, in this episode, we had the uh, return of Carol Burnett, uh, star of the Carol Burnett show. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, she was fantastic. I don't know if you've seen the Carol Burnett show, but it is, uh, it is, it is really a classic. It's, it's really something to discuss. Uh, you know, and, and I really think like on the show, uh, she is hilarious and she, (laughs) Ed, you really do. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I, I'm just glad the camera isn't on right now. That's right. So anyway, let's take a listen to the trolley song. The trolley song was the duet. And then we will come back and listen to a couple of... Uh, Isn't this from Meet Me in St. Louis? It is from Meet Me in St. Louis, uh, which I believe is also where Ohio is from, which is the last duet that they did. So does that make sense? Uh, no, not even a little. Uh, this is the trolley song from Meet Me in St. Louis here on the Galipo Podcast. It's a jolly hour on the trolley and lost my heart instead. With his light brown derby and his bright green tie, he was quite the handsomest of men. I started to yell, so I counted to ten, then I counted to ten again. Clang, clang, clang with the trolley, ding, ding, ding with the bell. 
zing, zing, zing with my heartstrings from the moment I saw him I fell. Chug, chug, chug with the motor, bump, bump, bump with the brake. Thump, thump, thump with my heartstrings. When he smiled, I could feel the car shake. He tipped his hat and took a seat. He said he hoped he hadn't stepped upon my feet. He asked my name, I held my breath. I couldn't speak because he scared me half to death. Buzz, buzz, buzz went the buzzer. Plop, plop, plop with the wheels. Stop, stop, stop with my heartstrings. As he started to go, then I started to know how it feels when the So I was wrong. Ohio is actually from Wonderful Town. Oh. There you go. Wonderful Never heard town. it. Yeah. Neither have I. Uh, I remember, I think we had the exact same conversation the last time <laughs> when we watched that Four episode. years ago. Um, so there's a new Glee video game coming out. It's called Glee Forever. You can find it. It's like an iPhone, iPad, mobile game. Um, you Right now they're doing like a like a mailing list and then if you sign up now you get invited to the beta or something i signed up i'll let you know if i get invited to the beta nice uh, we i'll have a little more information to tell uh, about about glee forever but here's a here's some voicemails uh we're gonna go out to colorado for the first one here is uh listener i don't remember hey josh jen and ed it's ann from colorado Long-time listener, I've never called in before. I've always kind of thought if I called in, it would just be more of the same old, same old that everybody's talking about. So I've always just kind of had fun listening. Anyway, tonight had a total have-to-call-in moment, a total this-is-why-I-love-Glee moment. So I'm sitting here getting ready for bed, happened to check Twitter, and Twitter goes crazy. Um, there's a show on ABC Family called The Fosters, I believe, and they have a storyline that's been building up for a little bit, um, and I know over the last couple weekends, there's kind of even been promos for it, and they have a storyline going of, you guessed it, a boy kissing a boy, and yes, it's you know awesome to see those kind of things happening, but as a Glee fan, there was part of me that was like, Oh boy, we've seen this before, way back when it actually really meant something. And then tonight when Twitter kind of exploded about it, I had a major, oh my God, I'm so proud of my Glee moment. Um, just everything that Glee has given to the fandom and everything that this, the um, Curtain Blame and the Santana and Britney storylines have been able to put out there, it's just amazing to see. And I was just like, Wow, what what an awesome thing this show has, you know, given us over the years and how awful it's going to be when it is finally gone. Um, you know, just thinking back over everything from back when it started, what it was like back then, you know, going from everything from the Krofsky bullying storyline to um, Blaine and Kurt meeting to... As sweet as it is and as weird as it was at the time, the um, Bert and Kurt um, sex talk scene, you know, Blaine and Kurt's first kiss, 
um, the first time episode, um, like going back to the Krofsky stuff, the suicide attempt episode, you know, all those kind of things, clear up to um, the Bash episode season five. It's like, wow, look at everything that Glee has given and kind of set in motion for a show now five years later um, to have a night where Twitter goes off over something that this show kind of started five years ago. Well, thank you very much. That was yeah. a that was a really nice kind of retrospective. It was. <laughs> I usually really appreciate hearing like all those wonderful moments because, you know, I, I know when this is all over, it'll all be okay. But I just uh, I don't mean to be so critical right now. <laughs> Ed, what were well, you saying? I, I imagine like before Glee, something like Smash couldn't have existed. No. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Smash. <laughs> R.I.P. But like, like the whole like the musical comedy that like Glee was the bridge gap between music reality competition shows to drop to dramedies. So it's like no matter what happens from now on, Glee's effect will exist forever because like now people now have vocabulary like oh i can accept this song in a dramedy like mm-hmm. so yeah so, totally yeah i mean it is yay, yay, kids, yay. well now it's become almost like de facto that the the shows will have a song at some point like they did a song in like mad men last season it's just a you know in almost every show like every comedy oh, show has a musical was, episode i was going with empire and national those were the two other examples oh, totally. oh yeah. empire is epic drip drop drip yeah. drop i love cookie <laughs> cookie is so bad oh my gosh it's amazing here's a here's a, another listener voicemail hey josh and this is john from cincinnati I've been with the podcast since the very beginning, um, but I decided to call in for the first time because after this week's episode, I can no longer remain silent about my biggest pet peeve with Glee, and that has to do with Ohio geography. (laughs) Uh, For the last few seasons of Glee, everyone has noticed the ridiculousness of the characters traveling back and forth between Lima and New York and L.A., But few people realize this has been going on since episode one. In the very first episode, they established that vocal adrenaline is from Akron, Ohio, which is a good two-and-a-half-hour drive from Lima. I mean, it makes sense to visit each other for a field trip or a competition, but not every other day to spy on or pull a prank or transfer (laughs) like Sunshine, Jesse, and Unique food. Wow. And apparently, Will continues living in Lima while commuting five hours a day to coach local adrenaline. Wow. That's almost a full tank of gas a day. Yeah. Crazy. And then in the second season, they introduced Dalton Academy and claim that it's located in Westerville, Ohio. Although a little closer than Akron, Westerville is still an hour and 45 minutes from Lima. (laughs) Definitely not close enough for both schools to hang out at the same coffee house after school. (laughs) Not close enough for Sam to deliver pizza to when he was homeless. And certainly, Lima is not going to be the nearest school to ship everyone off to when it burns to the ground. (laughs) I cannot take it anymore. It's like the writers think that because 
two cities on the map are an inch apart, that means that they must be close by. They're miles and miles apart. It's ridiculous. I know that Glee has been all over the place with consistency, and I've done my best to ignore it and just enjoy the music these past six years. But the writers make that so difficult. Anyways, I just wanted to share that and also say that I'm truly going to miss listening to you guys every week. My love for Glee has fluctuated over the years, but listening to your podcast has always been delightful. It's truly been a highlight of my week, and I feel like I've gotten to know you guys over these past six years, and I'm excited for all the projects that you're a part of. Um, and I just want to thank you so much for making the show so great, and I wish you guys all the best. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, John. That's nice. Yeah. That's, uh... that's amazing. And <laughs> I just... Well, I mean, in, in think, clarifying the geography helps, uh, you know, it deflates my anger and why Sue can, like, teach kids in one school and not the other. And, yeah, it's <laughs> it two is, and a half hours away. Hour there you go. So it, it is a different district. So exactly. thank you. That's That makes me feel better. <laughs> Here's listener Sarah. Hey, Justin. This is Sarah. I uh, just wanted to call in one uh, final time. I uh, have just a, a few quick thoughts on the episode, uh, rec- the most recent episode, which I just saw. Um, I liked this one overall. Um, as someone who has really been hot and cold with on Sue, mostly cold, I actually found this incredibly satisfying to, um, you know, just have all of her lives and, you know, just see her taken down. Um, and it was you know, I'm not like a Harold or Rivera fan, but I thought that was pretty good casting. <laughs> uh, so that was immensely satisfying. And um, I feel like, you know, to have the final showdown be between, you know, her being the leader of the uh, Vocal Adrenaline, um, you know, that seems appropriate. And I'm okay with that for like one final uh, smackdown. And I also felt like it was pretty ingenious to combine um, the Warblers and the new directions like I actually totally didn't see that coming but uh so good job writers um <laughs> and then so that's what I thought about the episode uh and I also just wanted to join the chorus of uh listeners who've been calling in to say you know thanks for sticking with the show and doing the podcast for so long um I've been listening since I think the third episode of the show so a really long time um wow. and it's been cool to uh I don't know, like, hear about your all's lives and how you've grown and done different things, and I don't mean that in a stalkerish way uh, at all. Um, and uh, I think you guys have great chemistry. I've really enjoyed listening to um, you talk about the show, even when I completely disagree with your opinion. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's still entertaining. And uh, I hope that um, you all can find another project to do together. Uh, so if, you know, totally understand if you need a break, I can only imagine that producing a podcast is hard work, um, and a big time suck. So, but if you all decide to do something together again, uh, definitely spread the word on Twitter and the internet. Um, and I would happily listen to another show that you all do. Um, but if not, you know, uh, it's been awesome 
having you all to listen to every week. Um, most people I know don't watch Glee anymore, so it's, you know, it's been nice to have you guys. Uh, take care, and talk to you later. Bye. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm in the middle of reading a book called Write, Publish, Repeat, which I don't I don't know if I recommend because it's only okay. But there, it talks about, like, self-selecting of tribes. I feel like the gleeful people who are still listening to us are, like, so self-selected. <laughs> like, 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 like it's, it's, it's amazing that they stuck out, stuck with us and the show, yeah. or just us, some, some people call it. Well, yeah. I, it just blows my mind. Like, it, I, it's funny, because, yeah. like, in these, in these last couple weeks, and hearing voicemails like that, I've really been trying to think of, like, is there another show that the three of us could do? Like, would we want to do another TV show? Would we want to come up with something totally different? And the one thing I kept coming back to, and it's so cheesy... But in a way, like, Glee kind of picked us. Like, we just saw a show we liked, and we started talking about it. And then six years later, here we are. Yeah. And in a way, there was, at no point was there a conscious decision of, like, what should we do a podcast about? It just kind of happened, and here we I are. Still, I remember when Josh called me. Uh, he called <laughs> me. I was, like, getting burritos with Julia. And... <laughs> And he's like, do you want to do a Glee podcast? And I was like, I was thinking about asking you. And then that was, that was, that was it for me. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. I mean, and I was kind of thinking that too, because there's some, there's a handful of new shows that I'm watching and I enjoy them so much, but I don't know that they actually, you know, warrant this level of discussion. And, you know, they don't, they certainly don't hit on the same types of, you Anything know, can warrant subjects. this level of discussion. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, that. okay, it, maybe, maybe recently and maybe in some of, you know, the middle seasons. But I think, you know, when this first came out, there was nothing else like it. Yeah. And, you know, genre-wise, subject-wise, just the things that they were doing and talking about. And it was just... It, so mind-blowing. So I think I think that's part of the reason I was so drawn to it and, and, and invested in it. Um, so, yeah, you know, definitely keep my eye open. And I know, you know, we're, we've got some ideas going some and ideas. still going to get that book club going back, Ed. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, I've been thinking about that lately, I, I, how I want to structure that. Yeah, so. But this is, you know, like hearing these voicemails, just, you know, it's... <laughs> Just so nice to hear that, you know, even if it's just, you know, a dozen people that are still listening and still care, it's worth it. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, let's go to New England. Hey there, Gleeful. Uh, Joey's 8956 here calling in about the rise and fall of Sue Sylvester. Um, <laughs> I absolutely hated this episode. This was possibly <laughs> the worst episode of Glee that I've ever had to sit through. Wow. Um, I... I don't even know where to start. Um, there was just way too much to do. There was zero balance. Like, literally, we had just do consistently. Every time I looked at my screen, it was like, do Sylvester. And I was like, didn't we wrap this up in, like, the Hurt Locker Part 2? Also an episode which I wasn't really a fan of. Um, also, why the heck did we have to bring Becky back in? Like, we wrapped up her storyline in a nice, pretty little bow as well. So why is she back? Um, so, basically, just like... Why are we rehashing all this stuff that no one cares about? Again, um, like, 
to say, t- telling Will, you're going down. Like, we've seen that a million and three times. Like, give me something new. And, like, we're bringing back the funding issue again. Like, we've gone over that so many times since the show started that there's nothing, there's no reason to bring it back. Uh, and there's much more that I would like to see in this episode instead. Um, I would have been really interested in seeing uh, more of Jane and uh, the Warblers because she was like hardcore glaring them down um, in that episode <laughs> in the choir room or in the choir room. Um, and, you know, she's got a right. They were kind of awful to her. So I would like to see kind of that develop and more about, you know, the combining choir storyline. And I would have even taken more Rachel um, because, like, I mean, deciding to go back to school or go back to Broadway, that's a pretty dang big decision. So I could have taken more of that, but <laughs> not so much too. And not with the Geraldo Rivera, who was honestly just trying to make himself relevant again. Because up until he was on Celebrity Apprentice this year, I didn't know who he was. Um, and honestly, I can't stand him after watching Celebrity Apprentice. So, ugh. But anyway, um, those are just kind of some of my thoughts. Um, so I'm interested to see what you guys have to say. Uh, oh, oh, and she's gone. <laughs> okay, go back inside <laughs> and warm up. Sound cold. I know. Oh, cold. <laughs> like, put on put on a muffler or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if she it, it shows up as uh, you know Vermont, so if she really is in Vermont, go inside, stay yeah, warm. Uh, let's go local, Jennifer. Hey, Josh, Jen, and Ed, Haley here. Um, this episode was really fun but also really ridiculous. But I just have one question. Are they going to stay in those uniforms for the rest of the show? Because I really want pretty show choir dresses back. All right. <laughs> Hope you guys are doing well. <laughs> Thank you. We Thanks, will see you in a couple of days. Uh, let's go out to Virginia. Hi, Justin and Ed. This is Kelly the Librarian with a haiku review of this week's episode. <laughs> Too much Geraldo. If Sue had burned down Dalton, this might have made sense. I also have a drop storyline to add to your list. First election to Congress. We didn't even get a cover of Fortunate Son before the writers forgot all about it. I also want to say that I've been listening to Gleeful since the second season, and I'm going to miss you guys a lot more than I'll miss this show. Glee has jumped the shark, the whale, and the giant sea squid. <laughs> Gleeful podcast was always awesome. Munch Mute is going to be a lot less fun without you. I'm looking Aww. forward to your next episode, and good luck with everything. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you very much. The giant sea squid. <laughs> it is true. That like, should be like our final t-shirt. It's going to be <laughs> clean jumping over. The shark, the whale, and the giant sea squid. Yep. Oh, that's funny. Uh, and one last one, the smooth, sultry sounds of Michael David. Play. There it goes. Hello, Josh Jenner. It's Michael. I wanted to call because the final countdown was the most amazing performance in the history of Glee. Uh, it brought a huge smile to my face, and I don't know why. I'm just enjoying the ride in this final season. <laughs> and I'll talk to you guys later. Goodbye. Thank you very much, Michael. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, yeah, Voldemort I mean... strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, was, uh, that, w- that really was. I mean, that was a really fun performance, and the fact that we got to see both sides of, you know, the the reality and the fantasy of it was... Yeah, that was the part of it that I did like, seeing both sides of it. Oh, and, and the fact that Will was even surprised to see Brad. <laughs> I was like, Brad? 
<laughs> well, Brad, you know, he, he had to take some time off of the dance studio on the corner of our block where he hangs out all the time. Um, that's a true story. Uh, so that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, if you'd like to weigh in on anything we said tonight, you can email us at gleefulpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at gleefulpodcast. I'm at Josh Brunell. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordano. Or go on the Facebooks and search for Gleeful Podcast. Uh, this last song is called Rise. It is an original composition. Uh, I think it might be written by Darren Chris. I'm not sure. Um, I thought I heard that rumor. But, uh, but yeah, this is entitled Rise. Um, Ed, can you convince me this song's not totally oh, well, I thought, bland and boring? I thought this song was just like a trash song they're trying to make popular, but now <laughs> it really is. I was like, eh. Yeah, it just felt like super anonymous, like just kind of empty and soulless. They put I mean, it in that. Isn't that kind of par for the chorus for original song? Well, <laughs> well I mean. Not lose it like me, but that one was good. that like one was actually really good. But it's that like, was that was the moment like this home of police on. <laughs> it's like it's the same computer program they use to you know generate. Um, you know they put in all this stuff and then they pump out uh, an anonymous you know inspirational anthem song that's supposed to get everybody amped up and. There, there is a computer program that does that where you like yeah. put it, oh. you put it in inspiration and then like puts you put in uh, three things you like. Then, I put in pizza, penguins, and petunias, yeah. and I get an anthemic song. That'd be amazing. That'd be and I saw, song. I saw once there was like this like where they had like a bark of wood, like a thing of wood, and then they put it on like a vinyl record player, and then it had like an LED light, and based on the the ripples on the wood it would generate a music <laughs> that's interesting wow so that's cool a million years ago on the idol review podcast jennifer oh and i listened to all of the glee finale winning songs and idol finale yeah the idol finale songs. oh you said glee finale so. oh i'm sorry uh yes we we listened to all the idol finale songs and i found that there were like three of them that were the exact same Melody, like you could sing the lyrics on top of them. And I'll have to dig that up because it was hilarious. I'm like, wow, they just literally reused the same song three times. Which, which ones? Okay, I'm 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 not disagreeing with you because I, but I don't. I want to say it's the first, the fourth, and the seventh. Wow. Inside your heaven, moment like this, and time of your life. I don't. I think it was. Oh my god, I was I joking, know, and you remember them all. One of them was, did I, uh, did I make you proud? And then I think it was the Jordan Sparks one. I think you could well, sing those on top of each other. Hmm. And there was like well, one the other one. The reason I disagree with the Jordan Sparks one is because Jordan Sparks one was the one when they did the contest where everyone entered, where all, where fans entered to write the song. Oh, this is my moment or something. This is my, this is my now. This is that my one, now. This that is one, my that one now. was chosen by the American public. Living in and the poor kid in the beatbox, he couldn't even. No, 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 that totally works. That totally works. Uh, oh, okay, we'll do it next time. This is my now, and did I make you proud are, to- are the exact same melody. And I think really? the first season, that too. Okay. I want to say the first season, too. All right, well, nice. we will totally... Okay, I'm going to restart Rise. Okay, here we go. Uh, <laughs> for the Cleveland Podcast with Josh Jen, and Ed, I'm Josh. <laughs> I'm Jen. I'm Ed, and I'm unsure about my survivor winner pick. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. Bye. Bye.